Harry Dennis Milligan was a 21-year-old from Avery, Iowa. He was going to college and was a Marine reservist. In the early morning hours of July 1st, 1984, in Elbia, Iowa, friends watched as Harry got into his car to drive home. Harry never made it there. He and his car were never seen again. I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound. We all have friends. We all want friends. In fact, the truth is, we need friends. Even if we're in intimate relationships, even if we consider ourselves to be hermits, even if we like to think of ourselves as self-sufficient islands, people who have friends are healthier, live longer lives, and just are more pleasant people in general. However, one thing I could have never predicted before starting Unfound is how unhelpful friends can be concerning disappearances. Even if these men and women were there when their confidants went missing. Some examples. James Walker, Joshua Guimond, J.L. Hamblin, Jesse Ross, and there are many more. Granted, In some of these cases, those friends make very good suspects. Yet, that then takes us to why would friends cause a friend to go missing? It's hard to understand. Well, with the disappearance of Harry Milligan, we all are once again confronted with friends who were there when someone went missing. And their stories don't exactly sound solid. Should we suspect these bosom buddies? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Harry Milligan was the kind of guy the rest of us would have loved to hate. He was Mr. Personality. He did well in high school. Harry was even great at sports. On top of all of that, following a family tradition, Harry joined the Marine Reserves. Really, the only part of his life that seemed to be unfulfilled was dating a nice young lady. However, some of this came to an end in college. Harry did a little too much partying. In addition, he found out he had to actually study to get A's, and this was a problem. And in the weeks before his disappearance, Harry was probably at the lowest point in his life. Although I'm not sure we could call it low. So on June 30th, 1984, a Saturday evening, Harry went out. Living in the tiny town of Avery, he drove to Elbia, about six miles away. According to the best information now known almost 40 years later, 
Harry went to a bar where he took part in a poker game. He did well and walked away with some cash. Harry was seen by a variety of people who knew him, and he ended up riding around with some guys he had known since childhood. Eventually, at about 4.30 a.m., Harry got dropped off at his car, and the friends watched him drive away, headed toward Avery. He and his car were never seen again. There was only one lake on Harry's route home. Police searched it, and they found nothing. Since then, rumors have run the gamut about what happened to Harry. Like those disappearances where people have called for rides, then not been there when their rides showed up, the idea that friends could be such horrible witnesses, even to the point of them being suspects, is something I could have never anticipated when I started Unfound. But it is certainly a thing. Yet, please don't jump to any conclusions. Try to answer these three questions as you listen to the rest of this episode. Number one, is not knowing the exact details of Harry's movements that night suspicious, or is it just a factor of a case being this old? Number two, would the downturn in Harry's life really have been enough for him to consider leaving it? And number three, Are Harry's friends really being less than truthful, or is this just a factor of the public not having anyone else to blame? Harry's family can't help but think that something of a foul play nature happened that early morning. The guest for this episode is Harry's younger brother, Mark Milligan. Unfound News Did you catch yesterday's YouTube show with Dr. Telesco? I hope you did. We discussed the disappearance of Jesse Ross, a case that has a lot of different theories. If you missed it, you can go to the Unfound website, theunfoundpodcast.com, to watch the entire show. Next, it's the end of the month. You know what that means newsletter. If you're on the list, you should be getting it before the end of today, April 1st. If you're not on the mailing list, please contact me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com and I can make it happen. Finally, the new format on YouTube continues. You can watch me interview this week's guest on Zoom and you get to watch me record the entire episode. Please go to the Unfound YouTube channel to see me in action. Where you can find Unfound. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, and many other platforms, especially outside the United States. Unfound has social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, join me on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Unfound Podcast channel for the live show, the only one of its kind in true crime. 
ask questions, chat with other viewers, and give the show a thumbs up. You can contribute to Unfound in the following ways. Patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. PayPal.me forward slash Unfound Podcast. Contribute during the live show with Super Chat. And join the YouTube membership program for the low price of $2.99 per month. I need to thank the following people for contributions to Unfound this week. Linda, AZ Love Rider, and Deborah. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the brother of Harry Milligan, Mark Milligan. Mark, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start here. Uh, Let's talk about the Milligan family. The listeners and viewers know that we usually start in this area when we have a family member on the program. Uh, Let's just talk about the Milligan family. How many kids uh, were there? Uh, My understanding is you are Harry's older uh, brother. How many kids were there? Let's just talk about the Milligan family like in the, um, the 70s into the 80s. What was it like living in Iowa, all of you together? Okay, so I, actually, I'm the youngest one. I'm the younger oh. brother. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Harry Harry was born in '62. I was born in '65. Wow. Um, it's okay. it's a very weird makeup of a family. Uh, <laughs> when I say, and the reason I say that is is because um, I was raised by my grandparents, um, and ado- and adopted by my grandparents. So that's what made me and Harry brothers. Biologically, we're not truly oh. brothers. We're brothers through the fact that. Um, in my dad's first marriage, he adopted Harry um, right out of the hospital. A short time after that, he split up with um, his first wife. Then he met my, what would be my grandma or what I call my mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I was raised by him, adopted by him. Uh, she had four older kids um, that were pretty well grown. I mean, they were all getting married and, you know, they were 19, 20 years old when me and Harry uh, you know, Harry was probably, um, I'm going to say probably two or three, you know, or I was two or three when, when we got, when, when I came into the picture, my mom and dad had problems. My grandparents took me, they started raising me and Harry together. And, and, and like I say, eventually I was adopted by him, um, by choice. That was my choice, uh, that I made later on in life. Uh, so, when I say brother, it's my, you know, it's not necessarily my biological brother, but he's my brother. And then there's four older siblings that uh, the only one that's, it's like I say, what makes it weird is when you're um, adopted by your grandparents uh, legally, you know, if you look at it on paper, it makes my mom, my sister, <laughs> you know, in a way, I mean, it's, it's very strange, but um, just because of being adopted by your grandparents. So there was four older kids, they were all married. Uh, you know, or older, got married, uh, and that's, and then Harry came along with my, my grandfather, and then me from, from one of my grandparents' older kids, so it's, it's a very uh, strange, yeah, very strange uh, deal, but, you know, I came into the picture at, I was probably two or three, 
Um, so, I mean, that's all I ever knew. I mean, I, I was raised by my grandparents. Me and Harry were raised in the same house. He was, you know, two years older than I was. Um, and that's all we knew. We, you know, we grew up being brothers and brothers and, and, and nobody, most people, you know, for the most part, didn't know any different, you know, I mean, they didn't, there was, you know, there was a select few that did that knew the whole family makeup and things, but, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how it came about, you know, and I mean, um, so it was, it was an interesting, you know, I mean, it was an interesting, um, childhood, I guess, or an interesting, um, life, you know, I mean, because like I say, um, as far as I'm concerned, we might as well have been biological brothers, you know, I mean, because, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't know any different. We, you know, I mean, we shared a bedroom when we were kids. We, you know, what he got for Christmas, I got for Christmas, you know, I mean, we got all the same, you know, you got the same things, you know, I mean, the typical family, you know, setting, I mean, everything was the same. I mean, um, you know, I, we just never knew any different, you know, I mean, we both knew it. He knew he was adopted, you know, I mean, and I knew that, you know, I, you know, I knew that I wasn't, I guess, my grandparents' kid, you know, but later on, like I say, I, you know, I chose to take their name and, and, and be adopted and everything else, you know, so. Okay. It's kind of a strange deal, but. All right. So, um, would you say that, uh, being that you were not biologically related, but you were brothers anyway, would you say that you were similar or did you, uh, how would you compare maybe his personality to your personality, your interests, your hobbies, you know, going back and forth between the both of you. As, as far as personalities, I think we were complete. We were night and day in a way. Um, when it came to interests and things, we, we, we had the same interests. I mean, night and day, Harry was, Harry was one of those kids that, you know, he used to make me so mad because, you know, he could, he, you know, if he picked up a book in school, and had to take a test on it. He could look at it for an hour and take a test and get an A plus, you know. And I could study the same book for a week, you know, and and be lucky if I got a C, you know. I mean, and be stressed out over that. I mean, so he was very smart. He was he was very funny. He was, um, but along with that funny smart side was the kind of stubborn side too. I mean, he was smart. One of the one of the people that was so smart that if he thought he was right. Um, you better have your A game to to prove him wrong because he just wasn't going to prove, you know, I mean, he wasn't going to just accept anything. It was, he, he thought he was right. And that's the way it was where me, I was kind of the kid that just went along with the, the program and, and tried to get good grades and do what I supposed to. But we, we, we had the same interest. We competed in everything. You know, I mean, uh, we played football in the backyard, basketball in the backyard, baseball, you know, you name it. We, we played it. We were into sports and, and it was always nothing but, you know, who's going to be better than the other one. And, you know, of course him being the bigger brother, he always thought he had to be at the time. So, um, you know, that, I mean, we had a, a good relationship at that point and we were similar in a lot of ways with our interests, but just completely two different people as far as, the the I guess the physical makeup of things you know when it comes to intelligence and all that good stuff. What kind of uh, older brother was he? Did he uh, look out for you and and do those things? What would you say? Um, you know, I, I think he did. You know, I mean, um, him and his older friends. You know, I mean, they. You know, when I when I I guess I go back to the the school days, like the high school days. You know, when I'm a freshman and he's a a junior, and you know, and I'm a sophomore, he's a senior. Yeah, 
he looked out for me to some extent, but he also had a good time with his buddies picking on me too, you know, I mean, so, uh, but if it come down to push, come to shove, you know, I, I knew that he always had my back and it was, and it was that way when we were younger too, that, you know, if, if you, you know, mess with one of us, the other one was going to stick up for him, you know, I mean, right. um, so he was always good in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. You brought up uh, sports before, maybe you guys playing basketball in the in the backyard, et cetera. Um, did he play any organized sports in high school, or what did he do in high school? What kind of uh, was he in any clubs or anything? Uh, going back to '83, you know, when he, you know, near graduation. Yeah, yeah. When he was in high school, I mean, he he competed in everything. I mean, he he played basketball, he played football, he he played golf. Um, huh. You know, you, you name it. I mean, uh, if it was a sport, Harry. You know, Harry pretty much played it. Uh, we played, you know, through even before that, you know, we were big into playing in Little League, uh, competed in, you know, what they had around here back in those days was the old punt, pass, and kick competitions and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, I think I, I probably still got some news articles somewhere that, you know, we both always finished first in that. He, you know, he, he, uh, he, was, he was a very good athlete. He was, you know, I think he was all state in football as a wide receiver and, uh, you know, played basketball, and, uh, which was, you know, I, I guess, you know, one thing I did kind of skip over earlier, I mean, which was really kind of shocking um, because when he was born, he was born club footed. Both feet were turned completely in and they had to break his, they literally broke both of his legs and set them back straight, you know, and, and was, he was in a cast for a, for a long time, you know, from the, like the waist down to, keep his legs straight and everything else, you know, and then to later on go on and, and be as athletic as he was, you know, even my dad used to say that, you know, he couldn't, couldn't believe that, you know, how far he actually came after being born the way that he was. Wow. That is a story. Yeah. Could you even tell, I mean, when he became a teenager, could you even tell that he had been born that way? I guess not. You know, I mean, really you couldn't, I mean, I mean, most people had no idea. You know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. Looking at him, you'd have, you'd have never known, you know. Okay. All right. So he, uh, I guess he graduated high school? Yep, graduated high school. And, uh, you know, like I said, he'd done really well in high school. Um, you know, was, was into everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that most people will tell you about Harry that he went to high school with, he was everybody's friend. You know, I mean, he was just one of them guys that liked to laugh and joke and have a good time, and he got good grades and and just um, enjoyed his friends. You know, and uh, graduated high school, and then he uh, he kind of worked around you know around the area for a while doing some stuff. Uh, I think he worked at Kness Manufacturing for a little bit, which is a um, mousetrap building factory that we had here in town, and and uh, done some things like that, and then he. Uh, Ended up at one point, I joined the Marine, kind of weird, I joined the Marine Corps first, um, just out of a kind of a whim, I guess. Uh, <laughs> once, and our dad Sometimes was, that happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. You know, I was looking at colleges and, and a lot of different things going on and ran into a Marine recruiter and thought, you know what, I, I don't want to go to school anymore, I'm going to do something different. So, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was a Marine, I joined the Marines, and not too long after that, Harry got the idea to join the Marines, but he... Uh, like I said, he was the smart one. He uh, he was using it. He, he he enrolled and was going to college at, at uh, Northeast Missouri State, which is now I think Truman State down in uh, Kirkville, Missouri. 
Um, but he joined the Marines and went into the reserve so that he could uh, use the reserve program, the Marine, you know, college program to help pay for his college. And sure. Stuff. So, and he, and he really kind of had it. You know, I guess I the way I look at it, he, he had everything you could want because Truman State College in Kirkville's maybe 40 minutes from home, you know, 45 minutes from home maybe at the most. Um, so you go to college, you stay down there during the week, you feel like it, you come home on the weekend, you crash at mom and dad's house and you go party and, and do everything with your friends that are still around that you went to high school with. So, uh, you know, I'm... I guess yeah. looking back now, I'm like, well, yeah. you really did that smart. I took off and, you know, I ended up out in California in the Marines and didn't know anybody. And it's like, holy, yeah. that's scary, you know? So You end up at uh, Paris Island yeah. and he ends up at school and coming back every weekend or whatever, or wherever. Right, right. exactly. You know, right. so I mean, okay. yeah. And so it's a, you know, I, I think he was pretty smart on that point. I know uh, once he got to college and I think things is kind of, Kind of got a little out of control for him. It sounds like. I mean, I was I was gone during a lot of that time because I'd already went in the Marine Corps. Um, but you know, he was having problems with his grades and and doing well, let's, a lot let's, of let's let's talk about that. You know, yeah, let's talk about that specifically because you t- said that you know he did well in high school, but then he goes to college and uh, had some struggles. I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> why do you think that was? What do you think brought that on? You know, like I said before, Harry was a he was a people person. He loved his friends and being with people and hanging out. And I just think he hadn't grown up enough or learned how to manage that, you know, to where he got to partying and drinking and, and running with the friends and the grades started slipping and uh, you know, it just wasn't typically his his normal, you know, I guess for for, for what he had done in high school, you know, I mean, yeah. him school was always easy, you know, so. Um, what was his major? Do I you don't, remember, I don't, I, you know, when he, when he went missing, uh, uh, what year of school was he in? Do you remember? I think it was, I think he was just in his, maybe his first year actually when he, you know, cause he, he graduated in 81, worked around here for a while, went to the Marine Corps, come back. Um, and that's when he went to school. So I think he was, he's like his first year of school. You know, his first time really being in that environment, you know, staying down there, living down at the dorms. Might have been his second year. I can't, I don't, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, All right. And you've but, already stated that um, even though you were younger, and I think that's probably why I thought you were older, because in a previous conversation, you said you were in the Marines when he went missing. So I'm thinking, well, you must be the older brother, but it's weird how he was the older one, but you were the one who went into the Marines first, and then he became a Marine reservist. Yeah. That's very yeah. unusual. That's very unusual. And okay. he actually went to boot camp before I did because I joined the Marine Corps. I had to wait to finish. I joined in high school in my last part of high school. So I had to wait till I was out of high school. Well, after I had actually joined, then he joined. So he went to boot camp before I went to boot camp. So it's kind of a, just a, it just flipped back and forth there for a, for a bit of, as far as who was doing what, but um, okay. yeah, it's, it's so how much, uh, being that you were in the Marines, maybe this would have made it a little difficult, but we, you know, for that year of 1984, of course, we know they disappeared in July before those, um, you know, six, seven months before, uh, he went missing in 1984. How often would you say you talked to him? See, very little, you know, I mean, I, I went, you know, I went to Marine Corps, uh, 
September of 83, um, went to boot camp, came home in December of 83. Um, and then I, you know, I was home for a couple of weeks, went back to California and really, you know, I mean, that's what people sometimes don't understand nowadays. You know, these younger people don't understand is, you know, it wasn't cell phones and, and, and all that stuff. If you wanted to talk to somebody, you had to catch them at home, you know, on a home phone line or write a letter, um, you know, and at that time, I think, you know, I had started really doing my own thing. He was sure. doing his own yeah. thing. So there just wasn't, you know, that's, it's tough now for me to try to look back and put pieces of this puzzle together because, you know, there's a, a, a pretty good gap of about six, seven months in there where I just don't know what was going on in his life. You know, I mean, we didn't have a chance to talk. Let know? me ask you this, then, being that, uh, you know, some of these things regarding like him not doing well in school, are these things you didn't find out until after he disappeared? Or was that something that maybe your parents passed along to you? You know, how did you find all that out? Most of that was all after I had, after he had disappeared. You know, I mean, once I, you know, once I got that phone call, you know, it was, he'd come up missing, you know, June 30th, the night of June 30th into July 1st of 84. Mm -hmm. um, my mom called me the morning, I'm going to say, or the probably later in the afternoon on July 1st, you know, and asked me if I'd heard anything from him, you know, or if he'd said something about coming out to California where I was at. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard nothing out of him. I'm, you know, 18 years old. And I, my response was, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it, it's not a big deal. He went out last night partying, just ain't made it home, you know. Right. Well, come Friday of that week, you know. We'll get, in, we'll, get in, later. We'll, we'll get into that. I want to I want to cover a few things first. We'll get it. We'll sure. surely get into that. Let's talk a little bit because I think we need to set some of this up because, of course, we're going to eventually talk about the the night that he disappeared and who he was with and all of this. So you mentioned uh, how he was very good, uh, you know, very personable, outgoing, maybe an extroverted type of person. He had a lot of friends. Let's talk about some of these friends just in general, because I know that you know some of these guys who were around him that night. You know, let's, you know, just talk a little bit about Jeff and Doug and Steve. You know, how would you uh, explain them? What did you know about them? How did you know them at the time? Of course, maybe your opinion on them has changed over the last, uh, 38 years, but at the time, you know, you're in the Marines or before you went to the Marines, some of these guys that we're, we're going to eventually talk about in more detail, what did you think about them? How did you know them? Did you think that they were good friends of Harry's? You know, all of them were good friends of Harry's. I mean, Steve Rockwell was probably more the, the outsider of that group. He wasn't necessarily, you know, I never knew Harry to really run around with him that much, but I knew you know, they'd associate, they, they would talk, you know, or, or whatever. Um, to kind of explain, like say, all three of those guys were the grade in between me and Harry. Uh, you know, so, I mean, they were younger than him and older than me. I knew them all, uh, you know, Jeff Adler for one, great guy, you know, I mean, in high school, great kid, kind of, kind of, kind of shy maybe, but he's great guy. And he, he, he lived, right next to one of my best friends that I hung out with all the time. Uh, and, and one of our big things is all summer long, we hung out over at his house outside playing basketball, you know, and Jeff was always over there hanging out, playing basketball, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, I mean, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's your, you know, great Iowa neighborhood, <laughs> you know, I mean, I hate to say it. It's, you know, right. a little small town, 3000 people, everybody knows everybody. And, 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 
everybody knows everybody's business, you know? So, um, yeah, I, they were, they were good guys. Doug Maddie, the same, you know, he was, he was always kind of the laughter jokester guy, always, you know, always, you know, kind of just, you know, cutting up and, and having fun. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so this, so I mean, uh, just so everybody understands, would this have been in Avery, Iowa, Avery? Well, most of that was in Albia. I mean, we okay. always, I always came to town because I lived in a little town, Avery, which was right. maybe 300 people. So, I mean, during the summer, a lot of times hanging out with the friends or whatever, I'd come into town in Albia. And a lot of times I'd spend the night or a couple nights at one of my buddies' place and we'd hang out and, you know, do what, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids do, you know, hang yes. out, run the streets, go to the game rooms and, and play basketball, baseball, or whatever we could find to do, you know. So, All right. uh, you know, it was it was just typical. I mean, they were typically great guys. I mean, all right. So your you know, opinion of them <laughs> up until uh, Harry disappeared was pretty solid guys. Pretty solid. Yeah, exactly. Guys. Okay. Let's move on to this, and I think we've already touched upon this, but I just want to make sure we cover it. Uh, you know, for sure is um, Harry's state of mind. Um, you know, once again, you, as you've said, he goes to, he's in high school, does very well, but then eventually when he decides to go to school, maybe a year or two after he graduated high school, maybe things are not going as he planned, you know, at this university. Um, you know, he joined the Marines. You know, do you think that he was liking that? Um, th- now that you think about, about it, about it now, looking back, then do you think that there might have been a concern that, you know, maybe reality was hitting him in the face a little bit. He's so used to doing well at everything, and then he goes to school, doesn't do as well. What do you think about his demeanor? Uh, maybe, of course, this is the summer, so I don't guess he was going to school maybe at off right at the time. But what do you think about his current state of mind in the summer of 84? You know, I, I you know, I, I think there was a lot of confusion on his part, like you said. I, you know, um, just the fact that, like I said, he'd always been – able to achieve whatever he wanted to, you know, and I, and I do, you know, I, I know, you know, as he went to school and his grades started slipping, you know, from talking to my mom and dad, they were, you know, they were concerned. They were worried about his drinking, worried about his grades, you know, the, the typical parent thing, trying to, you know, get him on the right track and do the right thing. So he was, you know, he had the pressure there and then he had the pressure of, yeah, you're not getting good grades and, and, and things are going bad at school. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, at the time that he came up missing or prior to that, yeah, there was a lot of confusion going on with him. You know, I mean, I just think there was a lot of, you know, probably, you know, I have always explained it as, as those young growing pains that we all kind of go through, you know, I mean, but I think with him, I think he, he was one of them guys that wasn't used to that. You know, he was, he was used to, if I want to do something, it's easy for me, you know, school grades and that stuff's easy. And, and now all of a sudden things are kind of, you know, a little out of control for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So that was going on. I should have asked you these other guys uh, who were with him that night or who you knew were hanging out, all these guys in Albia or Avery or wherever, uh, did any of them go to school um, with uh, Harry or did they just stick around town? Um, do you know? The, the last three guys that were with him that night, Jeff, Doug, and Steve, as far as I know, they just hung around Albia. Uh, okay. I don't think any of them that I know of ever went to college. Uh, none of them were going down to Northeast Missouri. 
Perry did have a, you know, a, a couple uh, high school friends that he knew that, that were going down there that he mm-hmm. would ride back and forth with and stuff like that, hang out with. So, uh, but those three, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Just some questions before we get into what is your understanding about June 30th and into July 1st. Um, as far as you know, any leading up, of course, to June 30th, Harry, having any problems with anybody that you've ever heard? Once again, before that day, any problems with anybody, any beefs with anybody, anything like that? From from everything that I've gathered since I came back and, and started really looking into everything, mm-hmm. uh, no. I mean, I don't know that he ever had any kind of issues with anybody. I mean, like I said, okay. Harry was just one of them guys that seemed to always get along with everybody. Okay. I know, you know, looking back hindsight, I know there's a, a note in the in the case file that I have about him having an altercation with somebody the weekend before. Said something mm-hmm. about him and a him and a friend got in a, maybe an altercation or a little fight over a basketball team or something. Oh. Probably arguing, arguing over sports or something. Uh, you okay. know, which I've never been able to confirm or deny that, but that's that would be the only thing that I've heard or seen mm-hmm. of him having any problem with anybody you know do you I mean, know do you know if it was any of the guys that were with him that night that he just i have no I, I i haven't been able to i've never been able to find out who it was you know i've okay. put it out there and tried to ask and nobody wants to own up or say hey yeah it was me I, you know i don't know okay very good um once again we're going to talk about this night in particular but your understanding this night that uh, harry was out common for him to go to Albia and doing the things that he was doing that night? Would you say that this was a common night compared to all the other nights that he used to hang out and do whatever? Oh, yeah. Typical typical night in Albia. 3,000 people, you know, I mean, uh, that's what we did. You know, you, you booze cruised and looked for the parties or you went to a, you know, went to a, some of the local bars and hung out a little bit, you know, and, you know, back then, we, you know, you scooped the loop in your car and done all that stuff, so... Yeah, I think just as far around. as yeah, just cruising around, hanging out, and, and trying to be with your friends and mm-hmm. looking for something to do. All right. We have to remember that uh, at the time of Harry's disappearance, he was 21 years old. Okay. Let's move up to June 30th, 1984. What is your understanding about Harry Harry's movements that day? Maybe uh, did he have a summer job or something, you know, in Avery or in Elbia and go out? What is your understanding about his movements from – you know, the afternoon of that day into the next day and who he was with, where he was. What is your understanding? That's been the hardest thing to, to try to piece together. Uh, you know, I mean, my, my best understanding of that night is, you know, Harry worked earlier in the day. He worked for an individual by the name of Steve Maddie, um, Peyton Houses, which is Doug Maddie's older brother. Um, Harry hung out at their house quite a bit. He, he uh, you know, he was good friends with Steve and his wife, Darlene. Um, stayed out there quite a bit, painted houses. Um, he had painted a house from a very good friend. Said She said she saw him at about 3 o'clock that afternoon when he was finishing up painting houses. Um, and then I understand that from there he went home, you know, to change clothes, clean up, uh, do all that stuff, had some conversation with my mom. Uh, my mom said he seemed to be in a good mood. Um, she was apparently laying, wanting to lay some carpet in a room or something. And he had told her that he'd help her, you know, the next day or whatever, when he got home, um, you know, and then he took off for town. 
Um, now that's kind of where things start to go foggy, I guess, for me. Uh, and what I, what I say by that is, is, you know, I know he went back to town. Um, the, you know, for a long time, there was, it went from Harry leaving home to being dropped off at his car at 445 in the morning. On July 1st. About the years, kind of pieced more things together and got more people to maybe talk or, or you know, put out there what they know. You know, I, I believe at some point he went to the, to the local bar there um, called the Waterworks, um, was involved in a card game there. Um, from rumor has it, he, you know, he won a considerable amount of money, you know, anywhere from three or $400 to $2,000, you know, and, and, and most people know that this bar was a, it was known for some high stakes poker games. It was also known for a lot of drug activity and, and, and was probably in Albia, there was a handful of bars back then. Um, but it was probably the rougher one, you know, it was the one where, uh, you know, not too many outsiders went there and, and caused any problems because, you know, they knew what was probably going to happen to them, you know? So he went there, supposedly got this card game and, and won a bunch of money. Uh, and, when, and we're, uh, and we're talking about a card game. It sounds to me like this would have, would this wouldn't have been out like right in the bar. Would this have been like in some back room somewhere? Cause I'm guessing that maybe cards and that model yeah. money is. Yeah, maybe and, that's found usually what they, and that's how they, yeah, that's how they had it set up there. I mean, you had your, you know, you had your main bar area, the bar, and then kind of off to the side in the back, you know, it was an open room where you could see who was back there and that type of thing, but it wasn't, you know, right out in the middle of the bar where they was playing. They was usually the card games were off, you know, off to themselves. Um, and he supposedly won, you know, a pretty good chunk of change there. It was, you know, late afternoon, early, you know, I mean, early evening part, um, left there, um, at some point, I have no idea who with, um, you know, nobody's ever said, Hey, I was with him. I, you know, I've tried to piece together, you know, who was all in the card game and I've got different names, you know, throughout the years of, of who was involved in the card game, but, but he left the card game. One, you know, one of the big, I guess, before I get too far, the, one of the biggest, uh, things was, is the owner of the bar was involved in the card game is what I'm being told. And, um, that individual kind of been known over the years that, uh, he didn't like to lose, and 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 a lot of times um, he would always try to get his money back at some point. So, uh, uh, but uh, off of that, like I say, we'll get back to that later. But like uh, you know, he left there, and, and from the from that till being dropped off in the morning, you know, I pieced a few things together throughout the night that he was maybe um, in an apartment right close to where the bar is by the library where he was last seen, actually, uh, maybe at a party there. Uh, well, he was at a party there. And, and I know, you know, at that time, I was told that Jeff Adler and Doug Maddie were there with him. Um, they've never said that or never, you know, never said anything. Um, but the, the eyewitnesses put him there. Uh, another eyewitness uh, has him, you know, we, we had what's called, uh, well, it's Benton Avenue East, but it's the the main dragon out it's where everybody cruised you, you cruised up and down the loop all night and, and that type of thing and somewhere around eight nine o'clock somewhere in there maybe a little later um an eyewitness puts him getting stopped by one of the local police officers um across from this car wash that was on there um so he has contact with the, with the officer 
goes on about his business from there. Um, the eyewitness says, Hey, you know, I think that the, you know, I know Jeff Adler was with him. I think the other guy was Doug Maddie. Um, but that's still never been confirmed. Um, 10 o'clock. So I, I, if I could just yeah. jump in here for a Mark, you know, uh, being that we know that the, you know, of course we just talked about these guys, Jeff and the rest of them, that they were out that night. Uh, am I then to understand that Harry was like out by himself or was he actually out with these guys? Which, which is well, it? Yeah, no, that, that's the whole question. You know, I mean, it, it sounds like from trying to piece everything together, you know, the best that I can, um, there was a lot of being with people and then not with people. So, I, you know, and, and if you, you know, if you go back and, 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 and we, I know we ain't got that far yet, but if you look at, uh, you know, Jeff Adler and Doug Maddie uh, later on uh, when they're, you know, when they're talked to about Harry's disappearance, they don't even say they're with him until after two o'clock in the morning. Okay. So, you know, which is kind of odd, you know, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's odd or not. I guess what I, I guess what I'm asking you is, did Harry go out that night with other people or didn't he? I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, I, so I think just, when he left, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's back I, to that 21 year old days. I think when he left home, uh, I don't think, or it don't, didn't seem that he had a plan to, to say, Hey, I'm going to go meet these guys and hang out and do this. You okay. know, I think it was just right. kind of one of them fly by the seat of your pants things, because, you know, even like I say, getting stopped by an officer at nine, eight, nine o'clock at night. I know at 1020 that 1020 he's stops and talks to another friend of his and Harry's by himself with a cooler <laughs> full of beer in the car. So whether he dropped him off somewhere at a party and is now, you know, cruising back around to find something else to do or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, the, 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 the very good friend says, Hey, I know it was 10 20 at night. I, I have to be at work at 10 30. I came down the steps of my apartment, you know, to go to my car, Harry pulled up said, Hey, hop in. I got a cooler of beer. Let's go party. And the guy's name is Darwin Thomas. He, he, you know, he said, I told him I can't Harry he said, uh, 50 times before I'd have went with him. He said, a lot of times Harry'd catch me like that and I'd jump in and skip work and go on. But he said, I knew, you know, my, my job was kind of on the line. And he said, I told him no, you know, and I said, I can't, I got to go to work. So he, he said, he drove off and I went and got my car and, and went on to work out at the hospital. Uh, so I know at 1029, at 1020, he was at this specific location right near the square in Albia. Okay. Now after 1020 at night, I have no clue. All right. I mean. So it's, it's, uh, the details are, and we're going to get, uh, but, um, we'll just maybe go into this right now. So, but we should, you should, we should know though, the listeners and viewers should know that these guys, once again, who are these friends that we've already talked about though, later though, they said that some, like you've already said it like four in the morning or something. They, at least a couple of them insist that yes, they saw Harry and he was in his car by himself and he was driving out of Elvia. Did, did they eventually say that? Well, yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me put it all in context to be, to be mm -hmm. exact. What, ha what, what the three individuals say, Jeff, Doug, and Steve, they say after two o'clock in the morning, at some point, all four of them were riding around in Steve Rockwell's car. 
drinking beer. That okay. they got a six pack of beer. They decide to cruise around, and somewhere between four thirty ish, basically four to four thirty ish, they say they pulled up to the library, which is right around the corner from the waterworks bar where Harry had been earlier. They pulled up at the at the over by the library there where Harry's car was parked, mm-hmm. and they and that Steve Rockwell let Jeff Adler and Harry out of the car to get into their cars. Where he dropped Doug off, he never does say. Doug's story's kind of completely, we'll have to talk about that later because it's completely different. But okay. he, we dropped, I dropped them two guys off. I, I pulled away, watched them get into their car. I saw Harry drive north, which would have been toward Avery, where we live, to go, to go that way. I saw him go north toward Avery and turn back east to go to the main road to go to Avery. Avery, and that's the last anybody's ever saw of him, and that's what they said originally. <laughs> okay, and we'll we'll get all right. So that's what they said originally, and if their stories changed, we'll come back to it. Okay, so that's kind of the story at the time in 1984. Yep. Um, when uh, do your family, uh, you know, start realizing, you know what, Harry didn't come home. We think something's up. What goes on? I guess later it would be in July 1st. You've already stated that your mother called you, uh, you know, and you're in the Marines at the time. Why don't you explain what went on later that day of July 1st when Harry didn't come home? The big the big thing that probably set everything into motion of, of starting to worry is on July 1st, you know, it was July 4th week, weekend in Albia, and one of the big things that they have in Albia a lot of times on July 4th weekend is softball tournament. Harry was a big softball player. Couple of these guys, Jeff Adler, Doug Maddy, him, a few of these other buddies. They all they had a softball team they played on, and Harry was kind of in charge of it. He had the equipment. He kind of ran the team. So Sunday morning, July first, they were supposed to play in a softball game at like eleven o'clock. The tournament they had a tournament that day. It didn't start till like noon or one, but they had some makeup game from the softball league they was in. Harry had told everybody that hey, you need to be there at eleven o'clock. Don't miss it. You know, I, I worked hard to get this rescheduled. So we got this softball game Sunday morning. So, of course, when my mom at nine o'clock in the morning, one of Harry's good friends that he went to college with and was down at college with him, Denny Hollenring, calls our house at nine o'clock in the morning and says, hey, you know, Harry told me to call there to make sure he's up for the softball game. Well, my mom goes and checks and no Harry, he hadn't come home. You know, first instinct was, okay, he just parted and he didn't make it home. No big deal. Um, mm-hmm. At some point, she starts calling around. And, like, I think she called Darlene Maddie or Steve Ma- or Darlene Maddie, you know, called their place to see if they'd seen Harry. Um, you know, I think maybe called Jeff Adler's to see if they'd seen Harry. Nobody'd seen Harry. Uh, and then, of course, when he don't show up at the softball game, then everybody starts thinking, okay, what, you know, is Harry, did he wreck his car? Did he do whatever? So that kind of started things into motion. Um, you know, they, they went out and drove around. It sounds like initially kind of, kind of looked for him, my mom and dad, you know, and that went out and looked, drove the route home and, and those type of things to, to see if maybe he'd wrecked his car or, or something like yeah. that. Um, you know, she had calls later on that evening. She calls me and says, Hey, you know, Harry didn't show up for, you know, softball game, we heard him, nobody's seen him. 
you know, and I, I, you know, I'm 18. I didn't know what the hell to think. You know, I, I pretty much did that same thing. Like I said earlier, you know, yeah, he'll be all right. He's just off partying somewhere. He'll sober up and come home. You know, I mean, at some point and it won't be a big deal. Well, you know, three or four days later, I'm sitting in California. Don't even really know what's going on. And, and next thing I know, my first sergeant in the Marines calls down to our shop where I'm at and says, Hey, you need to come up to my office. So I get up to his office and he tells me, Hey, go pack your bags, you know, go get all your shit together. I've got a ticket for you to fly home. I've got everything set up to get you to the airport. Uh, you're going to go home. Your mom and dad called here and your brother still hasn't come home and nobody can find you. Mm -hmm. So they sent me home, put me on orders back here to the recruiting station. Um, I came home for 55 days. Uh, and, and at that point is when I think, you know, you know, it's, it, when you know, like I said earlier, the people that were with him that say they dropped him off, everybody assumed they're friends. They're good friends. Yeah. You know, why would they lie about anything? Um, so let me, let me, uh, Mark, let me just jump in here for a second. Let me just ask you this. And I don't, I'm not sure if you said this or not. These guys that were allegedly with him the night be or that night before or earlier in that morning, were any of them going to be playing softball that day too? Yes. Jeff Adler and Doug Maddie, uh, as far as I know, showed up, they you did. know, there that morning to, to play softball. Okay. Uh, Steve Rockwell, he didn't play softball. He worked, I, I believe maybe he, he worked at a, a local gas station there and stuff. I think he had went to work, you know, I, I at some point that morning. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were there uh, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. you know okay. And, and like say, All right, uh, so they were there and uh, and Harry wasn't. And um, I'm guessing, that, of course, once again, the story in 1984, we know what it was is that they saw him get in his car and, and drive off. And their understanding was that, you know, five hours from then or six hours from them, they would be seeing Harry at the softball field. Right, exactly. Okay. So uh, how soon were the police called in? What did they do? Who did they talk to? Did they question these friends? We've already mentioned this, and we're going to get into a little later, but did they... Uh, did anything come up about this poker game or, you know, any of this in the police work that was done originally at the time? How much was done, if any? Uh, well, you know, my mom initially reported him as missing on July 1st. That evening, later on that evening when, you know, nobody would heard from him, nobody, nobody would seen him. Uh, that's when she initially made the report. Uh, so that was July 1st. Uh, to my knowledge, the first time anybody was talked to by the police was on July 3rd, um, which was they went and talked to, um, of course, Jeff Adler, Doug Maddy, Steve Rockwell. Uh, I think they even got a hold maybe of Denny Hallenrink, is, is what would have been considered Harry's best friend, um, and talked to them and and gathered information from them, which was, Basically, like I said, hey, we rode around. I, we seen him after two o'clock in the morning. We, we rode around for a while, drank a few beers, dropped him off his car, and he drove off into the dark. Okay. And that was, let me, that was it. Let me ask you this. Being that the police got involved in July 3rd, uh, on July 3rd, did anything come up regarding um, Harry getting pulled over on June 30th? You've already discussed this. Did that ever appear in any of the paperwork, uh, you know, when they were looking into to Harry's disappearance 
Do we even know why? Did the police ever find out why Harry got pulled over in the first place? Any of that? Did that come up? No, no, no. There was there. Like I say, the only statements that ever came out of anything was those three statements of rode around, dropped him off, and he he left. You know, most of that information, like I was including in the timeline there earlier, yeah. is things I've learned over time. Uh, you know, from yeah. from talking to different individuals. You know, there was no. You know, there was no mention. I guess that's what's so strange to me with the statements. And the and the investigation is or whatever you want to call it by the police at that time. Yeah. Um, nobody ever included anything after two o'clock in the morning and where they were at or what they were doing anytime that day. Everything started for them, it seems like, at two o'clock in the morning. You know, and it's that just this car ride around. You know, I, 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 I understand the mindset of thinking friends, you know, and, and nobody did anything to Harry. Um, so I just don't think they ever, they never, that was not even a, a consideration. I think they instantly went to Harry has probably crashed his car somewhere, okay. you know, uh, All right. you Harry, know, or, or he went again. to a, yeah, you know, by the third, or four, you know, okay, now he's not come home. It, it's it's obviously maybe not a. I went to a party somewhere and got too drunk and passed out, and you know I'm going to come home tomorrow or whatever. So I think we got past that part of it, you know, by the third. Um, so I think that was just the next next step in their mind was he crashed his vehicle. We need to you know see if we can find his car somewhere. Right. We have to remember uh, if it's not clear to the listeners and viewers that not only is Harry missing, but his car is missing. And that's still right. true to this day. Okay. Yep, exactly. All right. Any, any searches done? Uh, I've done, and I'm going to do a YouTube video for a map analysis for Harry's disappearance, just to kind of show this area and some of these places we're talking about during this interview. But, you know, there are some lakes, I guess you could call them, or retention ponds or whatever. I don't know how it looked in 1984. I can only look at the Google satellite views now. Right. But uh, were any of these uh, ponds searched? Uh, at the once again at the time, um, you know anything done like that by anybody? Uh, initially, I know um, you know they they uh, the Iowa State Patrol was called in. Uh, they took up their plane and they flew you know the area, the county, uh, looking for his car from the air and didn't have any luck. Um, I know if you take the, the the primary route coming out of Albia, going out to our home in Avery, six miles away. Um, there's a couple ponds along that route. Uh, there's one that's always been in question, which is, uh, probably a mile or two outside of, of Albia, uh, kind of going Northeast toward, toward Avery where, where the road comes and makes a nice, pretty decent curve. And there's a pond sitting right there, a pretty large pond. Uh, you know, that pond initially I was told was, was searched with, uh, radar, you know, or sonar, mm -hmm. uh, Back then, there's some documentation of that, but it's not not real clear. But uh, they said they had they had searched it. Um, I know since then, you know, there's been multiple places searched. I mean, all the the main bodies of the water around here, the Albia Reservoir, Country Club, the you know the Lake Miami, the primary bigger bodies of water around Monroe County and Albia have been searched. Um, you know, in the last few in last year or two um at least so 
with with high, a lot higher tech stuff, of course. And they searched that pond again, uh, kind of ruled it out. Uh, you know, I ruled that pond out, you know, probably day one when I got home. I mean, because that was my first thought. Okay, he he come around there drinking high speed, whatever, you know, lost control of his car, went off into the pond. Well, you know, Harry had a 1977 Grand Prix. The thing's as big as a house, you know. I went there and to actually get into the pond, I mean, you'd have had to been literally flying, but there's also a, you know, a fence line. I mean, it's rural Iowa. There's a, you know, cattle fence there and everything else. And it's all grass leading to the pond. Uh, you know, my first instinct was to go there and look, you know, there was no skid marks. There was no indentations in the ground, no holes in the fence. No, I mean, there was absolutely nothing to say a car had ever went off of there and went anywhere near this pond. So, um, I guess my I kind of said, well, that's probably a pretty good impossible thing to do, you know, but that's yeah. always been the first thing that everybody, you know, wants to talk about is, oh, did they check this pond? Well, you know, it's, it's been checked. Uh, and, and, but, uh, you know, I mean, so that was, that's where we started at that point was just literally, I mean, I know when I came home, I drove every route I could get to get home. And then after I didn't find him there, then we just, you know, basically was driving the entire county, you know, looking in ditches, looking in ravines, you know, looking everywhere to, to, to find this humongous size car that he drove, you know, and, and let me ask you this, uh, being that, being that they were drinking, do you believe that Harry was drinking and driving that night? Do you believe he believe was he maybe was. over the, over the limit to be drinking, to be driving? Yeah. From, from their statements, they said, you know, the, the, the guys had said that he'd been drinking, but he wasn't, they didn't think he was drunk, you know, or they did, they, I think one of them's even comment was, well, I've seen him worse before, you know? So, I mean, um, was he drinking? Yeah. Was he intoxicated? I don't know. You know, I mean, probably a good chance of it, you know, at three, four o'clock in the morning, if that's truly the case that you drank pretty much from four in the afternoon or five in the afternoon throughout the entire day to, to four o'clock in the morning. You know, I mean, uh, I guess what, I guess that the, the listeners are going to get the idea that probably he was over the limit, you know? So I, I guess this is something, once again, there seems to be some doubt about these people's stories. That's good. It's always up for the, the audience to determine whether these people are telling the truth. But if I guess if they are telling the truth, I got to say that I'm leaning toward the idea maybe that Harry shouldn't have probably been driving that night, probably on the way home. Probably not. Would that be a fair exactly. statement? I think it'd be a fair statement. You bet. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. So with all this is done, uh, at the time, once again, in 1984, did any of those friends ever offer up? Being that they, a couple of them showed up to the softball game that next day or later that day, and Harry wasn't there. Did these guys at the time ever offer up their own theories as to what could have happened to Harry, being that they were friends with him and knew him so well? Do you know if they ever offered up a theory at the time? Those three guys never did. No. You know, I mean, there was no, no, you know, pretty much they stuck to the story of we dropped him off and, and, you know, in their statements, they talked about some different things of, you know, at one point when they were supposedly riding around, Harry wanted to go to a Tumwa which is a town like 20 miles away. A lot of times when you, when at those times of the morning, I know when I was younger, that was the place. If you wanted to go eat breakfast, you know, you'd, you'd take off road crews down there, eat breakfast and then come back home. Um, but they said they, you know, that they didn't go there. Um, but no, they never, nobody ever 
you know, really came up with any theories until later, a little bit later on, you know, and then there was some, some talk by a college roommate that right. well, we'll get into we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. I want to, I just, I'm just worrying about these guys. Once again, being that they were allegedly the last people to see Harry, it's always interesting to me, whether we believe these people or not, either way, if they ever offered up their own theory, being that they were there, whether we yeah. believe their story or not, they're the ones who are friends with Harry. Uh, they were out that night too. Have they ever offered up a theory? And the answer is no. Okay. No. All right, let's move on to this. Now, this is the rest of the case. Now, something that maybe the listeners uh, need to know right now is that uh, you became a police officer, correct? Yes, I spent and, 22 years as a police officer. All right, and you, um, where did you, where were you a police officer? I was a police officer for nine years in Albia, Iowa. Uh, you know, I started my career in Albia. Um, you know, I, I, I went all the way up to the position at one point I was assistant chief and, and even served as acting chief a couple of times, uh, you know, over my nine years that I was there after that, um, money wise, I, I moved to a bigger, a Tumwa, uh, you know, a bigger 25,000 people, um, community and, and became an officer there for the rest of my, for another 12 years while I was there, um, you know, which I did. Okay. Just about everything there, everything from patrol. I was a, uh, you know, I was a detective for a while. Uh, I was a patrol sergeant and I did seven years of uh, undercover narcotics work. So um, I kind of did around everything. Even when I was in Albia, I had a drug dog for a long time. So I know the ins and outs of law enforcement. Pretty well. All right. So let me ask you this. Being that you were actually eventually on the Albia Police Department, is that the department that is still responsible for Harry's disappearance in 2022? Actually, they're not. It's the it's the Monroe County Sheriff's Department okay. um, that works in the same, I mean, they work in the same building. You know, you got the, the city PD does just the city of Albia where Monroe County Sheriff, they do the whole county, which includes some of the other little, like Avery where I lived and La Villa, Melrose, the other little towns outside yeah. of Albia. But okay. the, the case initially, even though Harry technically i guess you know was last seen in the city limits of albia yeah. um, because we lived in the county and my mom filed the report you know from home um basically it, it was instantly a monroe county case okay all right thank you for that uh, clarification in what years did you work for the albia police department uh see i worked there 95 through i think it was two well, it would have been nine years later. <laughs> Whatever. All right, 2004. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, something like that. All right, so like, I left there. so you started there 11 years after Harry went missing. Um, okay, so we're going to get into that a little bit later. I just thought that was the proper point to yeah, yeah. talk about that before we get into some of these other things. All right, let's uh, get into some of these things. And as listeners know uh, and viewers know, we uh, use an outline for all these um, interviews. So the next thing I want to talk about, I want to go back to that call that was made on July 1st regarding uh, Harry going to the softball game. Uh, I'm guessing your mother picked up the phone. Did this person who called um, to, to wake, I guess, Harry up or something to make sure he got to the softball game, did this guy sound surprised that Harry was not there when he called? And did this guy ever say, well, you know what? I did he ever offer up any comment, being that he was not out with, with them? You know, what has this guy said about his call and all of that? What can you say? Well, 
the call itself, I mean, I don't know. My mom never really said if he sounded surprised or not surprised. Mm -hmm. I would assume probably not just for the fact that, you know, that was um, typical 21-year-old behavior back then. Oh, well, yeah, he's supposed to be home, but, yeah, we were out partying last night and he didn't make it home. You know, so, I mean, um, he nothing was really ever said about that. Um, the, the strange thing with the individual that made the call, um, he did give a statement on, I believe, the third, like the other guys, or at some third or the fourth right there. Um, at some point, he, in that statement, says that, that – um, Harry was pretty adamant of explaining to everybody that they needed to be at that ball game the next morning. So uh, the, the strange part I see in that was, is like we've talked, the contact with Harry or the people that had contact with Harry that night seemed to be very minimal, you know, but here's this guy that says, mm -hmm. Harry talked to everybody and told them to be at the ball game. So that's a whole, that's, you know, at least, 10 players or nine other players on a softball team right. that at some point during the night you talked to. Um, okay. Denny Holland Rink uh, was Harry's best friend. I mean, literally uh, through high school, uh, they were roommates in college for a while. Uh, I mean, where pretty much everybody knew wherever Harry was, there was Denny, you know, and then, and of course, Denny had a girlfriend, um, a, a gal by the name of Michelle. Uh, so the three of them spent a lot of time together, it seemed like, and Harry had another friend named Stacy that he was real good friends with. So, you know, there, there was, it was just kind of a weird makeup, but to get back to where I was going, Denny was his roommate in college. Uh, when things were going South for Harry a little bit in college with the grades and everything, uh, I had one call. I've had two conversations with Denny, I believe since Harry's been missing. Uh, and one of them, he, you know, he, I asked him, I said, okay, you know, and this was not too long ago. Uh, okay. I, asked him, I said, why, you know, why did you and Harry, you know, your best friends, that's like a dream going to college. You got your rooming with your best friend, you're partying, you're having a good time. Um, you know, he said, well, we had some disagreements and, and we weren't, you know, we felt like because we were spending so much time goofing off and doing stuff, we needed to separate as roommates. So they separated as roommates. Um, yeah. Has he ever offered up his own theory on what happened to uh, you know we don't we and you and I are not going to theorize but if any of his friends have ever said anything being that they knew him in a, around the area has Denny ever said anything about his own idea of what happened to Harry Denny has never said that to me never never come out and you know made any kind of theories uh, okay. I know at some point um the thing that's probably caught me really strange is he did do, and I'd have to look and see exactly, but he did an interview for, I think, one of the local papers, um, you know, back when all this was going on. Um, and one of the, you know, somebody, I think one of the reporters, and, and, you know, I know sometimes reporters can get things wrong from what somebody says, but I just thought it was strange that in one of the, one of the papers, it, it comes right out and says, where Denny says, well, Harry's dead. I see. And it's like, okay, I mean, that's, you know, not even a, you know, I mean, it's it's almost like you're making a statement rather than, you know, like you say, making a theory or an opinion. It's like you're saying he's dead. And it's like, so, I mean, he's never really said much to me. He, uh, he, he's, he's definitely a, an odd character now. I mean, the Denny I knew back when he was running with Harry and the Denny that, 
I, I hear about and know now uh, completely two different people, you know, okay. I mean, so. All right, let's move on to this. All right, so we have this guy who called that morning, still has not offered up his own theory, even though he was best friends with Harry, and you've talked to him twice in one of those times, even very recently. Yeah. Let's move on to this. We've already talked about this poker game. Just very quickly, as besides this uh, Mike Stalker guy, uh, has anybody else ever been identified as playing uh, poker with Harry that night? Have you, uh, you, uh, you or the, the county or the sheriff's office ever been able to track down anybody who's also playing poker that night? Let me backtrack. <laughs> I need to do that. Um, as far as the poker game, for probably 10 or 15 years, nobody ever even knew of a poker game. Wow. You know, that's something that's come to light huh. over the years of looking into it. So that's where if you go back to like the original three guys and how I said, you know, they only offered up two o'clock in the morning to four thirty in the morning. We dropped him off. He drives off into the darkness. They never talk about where they were, where they were beforehand, anything like that. So for years, you know, and, and, and I know a lot of, a lot of viewers, cause I mean, following my Facebook page and the different things that, that I've done, you know, that's always a confusion to, that they want to jump on law enforcement. Oh, you know, law enforcement failed in a way they did, but not quite the way that, that some of them see it because um, they failed by not asking the right questions to begin with. You know, I guess that's the way I look at it is, is when, when Harry was missing for a week, a month, you know, six months, nobody went and, and went back and tried to do anything. You know, I mean, they really didn't follow anything. So 10 years later, when the bar story starts coming out and the poker game story, you know, everybody's like, well, why didn't they go talk to these people? Well, they how didn't do you, know. How, how, does, uh, how, does the, how does news about a poker game just come out of thin air after 10 years? Being that then about that time you were starting to work for the Albia Police Department, how did that just pop out of nowhere? A lot of that, just rumor mill, you know, uh, putting pressure. I mean, you know, for a long time, like I say, for, for seven years, I was gone in the Marine Corps. So I, you know, everything was, was done by my mom and dad. You know, they would constantly, you know, check in with, with law enforcement and ask, hey, anything new? They'd get told no. You know, I mean, basically, nope, we don't know any more than we did, you know, the last time you asked. Um, once I was back here permanently out of the Marine Corps and that and that stuff, and it got a little wiser in my years, um, and then becoming an officer, I started using the press. You know, uh, every year I would, uh, you know, try to get the newspaper to put an article in there or, or, you know, we didn't have, you know, and that's what's so great about now and guys like you and, and other people, you know, uh, having the, the use of social media and YouTube and all these platforms out there is a godsend for somebody like me because I didn't have that back then. There were, you know, I put something in the paper on the anniversary of him missing, you know, and, and maybe get a few people talking to me about things, you know, and, in, and until the social media started, um, it was hit and miss. And that's kind of where the card game, the name started coming up of, you know, hey. Who hey first, I think do you even know who first brought that up? You know, um, to tell you the truth, you know, there was a guy, Kelly Wilkins, that, that told me, a, 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 and that's been fairly recent, but um, I think it was more of the name Mike Stalker came out 
you know, more than anything. And I think that was some of the, some of the reputation. And then there was talk of Harry maybe being in the bar, you know, and, and then, you know, here later here, not too long ago, Kelly Wilkins, um, a guy that, you know, believe it or not, um, <laughs> we were arch enemies when I was on the, on the police force, you know, at one time, I mean, uh, he's from that side, you know, the, the drug side of things. I was the cop side of things, but we had a mutual respect and he heard about the story. And then he says, Hey, Mark, he gets hold of me and says, send me some messages. Hey, Mark, I know this story about, you know, this night, uh, you know, a card game and, and the owner of the bar and two guys taking Harry, you know, somewhere, which kind of got things snowballing. Uh, so it's just kind of been hit and miss over the years, you know, and, and uh, I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly where each of those all came from right off the top of my head. I mean, I got, you know, miles and miles and miles of messages yeah. uh, and notes and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of where that came into it, you know, and that's where Stalker's name come into it, being the bar owner. Then people come to me and start telling me about him and, and his temper and, and the fact that, you know, he was known to, you know, follow guys later and beat them down and get his money back and, and stuff like that. And he, and he run with a pretty rough crap, you know, I mean, that was a, it was a bar that was moving a lot of dope back in the day. So um, okay. you know, I, to tell you exactly how all that came in, um, I don't know exactly, but you know, okay. that's, that's always been looking at it back through top size, I guess when I start looking back to the three guys that gave the, the last statement to me, that's a very big clue when you can't, none of the three of you will even put yourself anywhere. You know, you don't want to put yourself at a bar. You don't want to put yourself at any of the bars in town, a party or anything like that. You just want to say us four riding in a car, dropped him off. He left. That's all we know. Okay. You know? <laughs> I guess what I'm saying, and, I, and I'm sure once again, you are the person with the police you know, officer experience that, you know, a story just comes out of nowhere after 11 years or however. And it, you know, that Harry was allegedly in this bar, but over that time, how many people could have been in that bar? How many people were at that poker game? And then surely some of those people knew that Harry went missing, that nobody ever came forward to say, I saw Harry in that bar last night and it took 11 years for that to happen. You know, that scene, I have to admit, I hear these stories a lot, and I just wonder a lot of times whether they're true or not. Right. Oh, sure. You know, and and that's back to, you know, I, I use Darwin Thomas, for example. I've known Darwin my whole life. He was very good friends, even with my parents, very good friends with Harry. I mean, he was great friends with my parents later on in the years. Um, you know, it was just maybe in the last two years, you know, that I found out that he saw Harry that night. And I mean, and I'm like, okay, when I went to, I mean, I mean, and, and you got to know Darren, he's about as genuine as you can ever get. I mean, this guy right now, he's in really bad shape. He got in an accident, and, you know, prayers for him that he's doing good. But um, I heard about it through rumors that, hey, Darwin might have seen Harry that night. Well, I go and I find Darwin and, and we have a conversation and, and he tell, and I said, Darwin, I said, why didn't you tell anybody this? 30 years ago he's like nobody asked he said i sat around waiting for the cops or somebody to come investigating and and ask you know and he said i i just figured it wasn't important you know i figured they didn't think it was important because nobody had ever asked 
you know, and, and yeah. I, that's what I've run into a lot of. I've had a lot of people that will, you know, years later spit out some little bit of, you know, just like I say in Harry being at this apartment building and, and being seen with Jeff Adler and Doug Maddie. Same thing. Didn't find that out till a couple of years ago because you have the ease of social media and easier to communicate. You know, Gal gets hold of me, goes, oh, Mark, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how Jeff Adler and Doug Maddie can say they weren't with Harry that night because I saw him mm-hmm. and I saw him here. And I'm like, why are you telling, why didn't you tell me that before? She, oh, I, I thought you knew that, you know? So, I mean, I think there's been a whole lot of that. I thought you knew, maybe you knew, you know, I mean, or just, you know, if you go back outside of the, the social media cell phone era that we have now, the communication just wasn't there. You know, I mean, unless somebody come around and ask you, you didn't go, you know, I know even when I was young, you didn't go to the police station for nothing unless, you know, unless you were asked to. So uh, I think that was a lot of it. All right, let's move on to this. Now, regarding this money that he alleged, once again, I don't know what, you know, the listeners will make their own decisions. I don't know whether I'm supposed to believe this poker game and all these things or not. But is it also possibly true that he had gotten a paycheck from maybe the Marine Reservists or somewhere that he could have cashed. So it might've had that money on top of this other money. Is that a story as well? So far? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I learned that from, um, his roommate down at college after he moved out with Denny, he moved in with an individual named Brian Williams. Uh, he was in my grade in school, was a friend of mine in school. And he, he, you know, he told me, he said, yeah, he said, Harry, Harry, uh, you know, was having issues. He's the one who started the whole, you know, Harry talked about going to Alaska maybe and starting all over type of story. Um, but he's the one at the same time told me that, you know, Harry was in a real good mood when he came home that weekend because he had got his check from the Marines from being in the, from being That's in boot camp and, and, and it got that money. So, um, so far, can I confirm that from the military? No. Um, getting records from the military right now is like pulling teeth. I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I've got submissions in and got people working on everything, trying to get all of the records from the military. Um, but with COVID and all that good stuff, it seems like it's just dragging on forever. <laughs> okay. All right. So once again, we have the story that the, the roommate from college says that, uh, Harry got this other money. So it might've, maybe that was the money that he used to actually go play in this poker game, you know, like the buy-in or something. Or, you know, we just don't know. But, you know, I guess what we're saying is maybe we can see a scenario where he did get jumped because of the money that he had on. Let's just let's just say that. Let's move on to this. Now, we've, of course, talked a lot about uh, these friends and whether they're telling the truth or not and everything. But I want to keep this very simple. In your opinion, do their stories sync up? Meaning, do each of their individual stories, looking at them, one by one, are there any contradictions uh, between them? For example, maybe a contradiction would be that Jeff said that, you know, I saw Harry drive south and one of the others said, said, no, I saw Harry drive north. Are there any contradictions that they've told you or anybody else about this time that they saw Harry that early morning? Yeah, um, like I said, if you go by the first statements they gave, you know, in July 3rd um, time frame, July 3rd, July 4th, um, you know, their stories were fairly consistent. Um, yes. Ten years later, um, to, to kind of sum it up, 
the sheriff that was the sheriff of Monroe County that, that handled the case uh, initially uh, and did the investigation um, would have been the guy that took the initial statements and all that stuff, him or one of his deputies. He, you know, he later retired or not retired, but changed jobs, went to a job in Des Moines, still in law enforcement, uh, working for the state, uh, started his own private investigating business. Uh, very good friend of my mom and dad's, very good friend of mine. He always tried to continue to, to, to find out information about the case. He put things in the paper saying to contact him. Uh, he, he worked as a private investigator, basically, you know, pro bono for my mom and dad, uh, you know, because it just always bugged him because it was his case. Well, mm -hmm. 10 years after Harry was missing in 94 timeframe, um, he did go back and interviewed Jeff Adler. He went back and interviewed um, Doug Maddie and he interviewed Steve Rockwell at one point. I think Rockwell was a little bit later, but um, he did talk to him at some point. And at that point, um, the stories, in my opinion, changed considerably, you know, uh, especially Jeff Adler. You know, I mean, uh, at one point, you know, the story was they were all in Rockwell's car, got dropped off, you know, and Harry drove away. Well, if you go back and look at his statement 10 years after the fact, uh, he says he's got a very limited memory. Uh, he, he says we were in Harry, Harry you know, that Harry dropped him off over there at his car. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, it, you know, you said originally you were in Jeff Adler's car. Um, so there's a lot of inconsistencies there in that last, you know, few hours, I guess, uh, within the statements. Uh, Doug Maddie, you know, he tries to say that, you know, I was I was at home with I was out at my girlfriend's place till two in the morning. I come in and, and he clearly says I was I was only with him for maybe 15 to 30 minutes. OK, well, how are you only with him 15 to 30 minutes? You know, if if, if you come into town after two o'clock and they're dropping him off at four thirty in the morning and you say you were the last one out of the car you know, by the, you know, somewhere near the front of the bar and not over by the library. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different inconsistencies. There's a lot of uh, inconsistencies like in Rockwell's, uh, you know, uh, if you take, try to put a map to the original stories of where they dropped him off at to what he says later, you know, Steve is always, um, always stayed close to my family. He always talked to my mom and dad when I was gone. Uh, he's tried to, he's talked to me a few times. Um, even recently when I got the case reopened, he, you know, he, he come to me not shortly after that today, I need to talk to you. Um, Jeff Adler lied that night about his times and, and we kind of lied about Doug Maddie. You know, we didn't want, we didn't want everybody to know Doug Maddie was with us, you know, because he's trouble. Well, back then he wasn't really much trouble compared to what he is nowadays. So I think he's kind of mixing things up there. And then he went into telling me a story about, you know, hey, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that just bothers me about the whole Harry thing is I remember dropping him off that night. And I and I, after I dropped him off, I went to pull away and I saw Harry's taillights go north and then turn back to the west to go to the main street. And he said, I just can't get that out of my head. He said, there, you know, he said, I wake up at night seeing these taillights in, the, in, in my mind sometimes. If you go read his last statement that he gave to Denny Carr, 
he talks about pulling up there from what would have been the south. So he's facing, so he's facing north, drops them off and says he backed out onto the main street, which is Benton, and then went to the east on Benton. So at no point, no way, no how, if that's the story, did you ever see Harry's taillights in your rearview mirror? You know, so I mean, it's just all these little bitty things that, you know, um, right. leads me to believe that the whole dropping off at his car story is nothing but a make-believe story. Fiction. I mean, it's a made up Okay, story. so I guess the answer to the question is there are inconsistencies. These people's stories don't all line up. Right. So, okay. Yeah, they, I mean, and, and that's that's the whole question now, you know, is, is okay. what's the truth and what's not, you know? Okay. Let's move on to this. And I think this will be uh, fitting given that you were a uh, police officer in Elbia for nine years. Uh, and Mike Stalker, of course, in his bar uh, was or is in Elbia. Um, did you ever have a chance to run into Mike? And in fact, do you even have a story involving someone who, when you arrested this person, claimed that he knew what happened to Harry and he would never tell you? Maybe we can talk about that all in one group. First, regarding Mike Stalker slash Mike. He also goes by the last name Kraus. He's deceased now. But do you ever have a chance to run into him? Did you know about him firsthand from your work being a police officer in Albia? I mean, I, I you know, I always knew what the bar was about. Once I, once I became an officer over there, I think that the, I don't know that the bar was still really going at that time. Um, the interesting thing about Mike Klaus uh, or Mike Stalker is, is he, uh, not long after Harry come up missing, he left Albia. I mean, completely oh, packed wow. up, left Albia, uh, went to Arizona to a friends out there, uh, stayed out there for uh, several, you know, for a few years. Then he went on to California where he, he met the gal that he married and had a couple kids with come back to Albia. Um, you know, at that time the bar wasn't around or anything. Uh, and, and like I say, during those time frames, um, you know, I didn't know all the information I know now, you know, so yeah, I never really, I never had an opportunity to go talk to him. Even if I would, even if, even if that would have been the case, um, I probably wouldn't have, you know, I, I made it pretty clear in, in, in the information that I put out, uh, when I was an officer, I tried to avoid having anything to do with the case other than. If people gave me information, I passed it on to, to who I thought needed to know and, and assumed that they were doing something with it, um, you know, because I didn't ever want to have that conflict of interest of I'm using my power or my authority to, to to try to manipulate things or do things. So I just always felt it was probably the best interest just to pass it on to somebody else. I know at one point, um, you know, Mike Stalker, like you said, he's, he's deceased. He, uh, um, I don't know what he passed away from, but he, you know, he had something that, that unfortunately ended his life early, but he, uh, he, uh, I know at one point there was an officer that was supposed to go, or a deputy was supposed to go talk to him before he died. Um, you know, the deputy told me, he said, I just never got around to it, you know? So, um, I All never, right. had, I never really, I mean, I had contact younger when I was 18, 19, coming back out of the Marine Corps, going in and out of the bar. Yeah. I had a lot of contact with Mike back in those times at that time. Um, but at that time, you know, his name had never came up. So, 
know, I just knew his personality. You know, I always thought he was, um, you know, being a bar owner and, and knowing the reputation of the bar and, 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 and what was going on in the bar. Um, he was arrogant and he was a bigger guy. So he, uh, you know, he, it, it didn't surprise me to, to hear stories later on of, uh, you know, maybe him beating somebody down and, and trying to get his money back, those type of things. He just, he was kind of one of them guys that I always described it as somewhat bipolar. You know, I mean, they'd say at one minute you're sitting there and he's perfectly fine, good mood, having a good time. And the next minute, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, I mean, and that could be the drugs and who knows what, but, uh, I didn't really have much contact with him that much. Okay. Let's move on to that story that I just mentioned. Did you, in fact, arrest somebody at some point? And this person's, you know, once again, well, I don't know whether we're supposed to believe this, but you had told me, I thought, that you had arrested somebody and somebody said that, you know, I'm never going to tell you what happened to Harry. Did that happen? Yeah. Uh, I uh, I arrested Doug Maddie, you know, one of the guys that was last with Harry. Um, Doug, wow. you know, I, I you know. I'm going to pull no punches. Doug, uh, I feel sorry for him. You know, like I explained earlier, great guy, you know, when he was younger. Um, pretty much ever since Harry came up missing, um, completely spiraled out of control, I believe. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's simple. You know, public records out there, look at his arrest record. He's been arrested for everything under the sun, mostly all narcotics type of, of stuff. Um, I arrested him on, a, I believe it was a warrant. Uh, for manufacturing narcotics or, or, or whatever it was. I think that's what it was at the time. Um, ran into him on the front porch of his house. Uh, me and him literally got in an all-out fight uh, trying to get him handcuffed and get him arrested. Uh, I get him handcuffed. I get him, you know, taking him over to my car. He's he's hot, you know, and, and uh, as I'm going to put him in the car, he turns around and looks, you know, I mean, he's, a foot away from me, looks me right square in the face, and his exact words were, uh, "I know, I know exactly what happened to your fucking brother, and I'm never going to tell you." Oh <laughs> you know, so I mean, some people have tried to say, "Oh, that was just you know him trying to get under your skin." You know, I spent 22 years as a cop, and and yeah, of course, people try to get under your skin when they're in trouble and they're doing dumb stuff, and they you know they're 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 you know they're drunk or high and and being stupid. Uh, they, they, you know, they say things, pig, and this, nobody says something like that. You know, I mean, I, I just, I've never had anything like that. And, uh, you know, I truly believe that uh, that's the truth. I think he, I think he was mad enough that he told me the truth and he knew that was the only way that he was really going to try to uh, to get under my skin. Okay. Oh, wow. That is uh, that's a crazy story. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, um, actually, you know, Harry's disappearance, although I, I'm sure it is still a very big story still to this day in Elbia, Iowa, there's also something else that happened in Elbia during the year of 1984, and it was an actual murder. Yep. Let's just talk about a little bit about that. What are the general details of it? And is anybody, you know, because Elbia is not that big of a place, so to have a disappearance that is still unsolved 38 years later and have a murder that is still unsolved 38 years later that happened of course happened in the same year i don't know what if that's some sort of coincidence or, or something but uh, what can you say about this murder whatever you know about it and has uh, it ever been tried has the two ever been tried to be connected um 
the murder itself was an individual by the name of Tim Ernie. I think he was like 28 years old. Um, he, you know, uh, at the time, from what I understand, he, he was messing around, um, uh, selling a little bit of pot, you know, back then. But other than that, I mean, basically, you know, I didn't know him personally. I didn't know Harry to ever really associate with him. Um, but he was living with a, uh, a gal that had left her husband, um, or she was living with him in Albi, I guess I should say. So that's kind of always been the, uh, the story, you know, for that, for that deal is, you know, it's kind of one of them love triangle deals and the, the ex, you know, I mean, they're, they're, right. everybody right. you talk to around here, uh, will tell you, you know, uh, Harold Kemp, um, the, the ex-husband killed Tim Ernie, you know, I mean, he made claims many, many times to people that if he ever got the opportunity, he would kill him, you know? So, I mean, uh, that's, I guess, always been the big rumor or the big truth to that, I guess, uh, you know, that, that most people want to believe. Um, uh, I believe it. I, I'm, I'm good friends with, with Tim Ernie's sister now, uh, just because of the Harry and the Tim Ernie. I mean, Harry, uh, Ernie came up murdered, uh, five months before, um, Harry, uh, mm-hmm. and no it was con- a simple, no, no, it, was so simple. No it connection like it, you see at all. No, no connection. No, I don't. I mean, you know, there's the only people that's ever, I mean, really, there's only been one person that I ever know of that has tried to uh, put the two murder, two, I guess two murders, two you know, Harry's disappearance and this murder together is one of the local police officers that we had, Larry Jones. Um, he's the only one that ever seems to always, in any thing that he ever had any comment or dealing with, always tried to ask, you know, somebody if they knew these two were associated, you know, or somehow they were both associated together. Um, I mean, Ernie's was per- pretty simple. I mean, it sounds like, you know, from what I know, um, he he had dropped his, his girlfriend, the, the Kim's ex-wife off at the school where she worked. He returned home, walked in his house. Looks like he uh, went to turn on his TV. Um, somebody stepped out from somewhere um, and put two small caliber bullets in the back of his head and left. You know, and that's pretty much where it's been. I mean, they did a they did a big investigation, and of course, Harold Kemp was the number one suspect. They did some search warrants. They they interviewed a lot of people, but. Uh, you know, it's back to the to the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Um, smart criminals never talk to nobody, and he was a smart yeah. criminal. If he truly did it, he was smart because he got a lawyer right away. Lawyer said, you're not talking, and he, you know, I know he just passed away recently, uh, you know, so he went on another 38 years uh, living his life and never spoke another word of it, you know, on at least on the – on the side that would get him in trouble for it. So I don't think there's any association between the two, but yeah, like you say, it's still really odd that, you know, two young guys in a a town of 3000 people in the middle of rural Iowa are gone. One's disappeared and one's murdered and neither one of them gets solved. Right. Right. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now this is moving up to very recently that regarding Harry's disappearance was a, uh, a piece of property dug up. How did this come about? Why was this done? Where was this done? Uh, how did that all happen? 
the place that's been dug up is it's an old trailer park, kind of an old trailer park. The backside of it was kind of a dumping ground for the guy that owned it. Um, the reason that kind of came up, there was some there was some 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 information that came up, um, reference that area, uh, you know, reference um, a guy maybe witnesses some stuff that he believed. You know, he was a he was a kid when it was when it when it happened, uh, but he he. he Thinks he's having, you know, memory coming back of different things, which involved uh, that property. Um, so, you know, law enforcement, you know, they they did their investigation and they, uh, you know, they went out there and, and dug up some of the property. From what I know, I mean, um, I you know, they've never really told me exactly what they've done, uh, but I know they dug, you know, a few pretty good size areas up looking for his car out there. They didn't find anything at this point. Uh, from my understanding, I, I, you know, it was getting toward the, the winter time frame around here. So I don't know for sure. You know, I've heard rumors that they maybe plan on going back out there and doing some more digging. Uh, but it involves uh, a family, the Davis family from Monroe County. Basically it was Richard Davis's property. Uh, the Davis uh, name in, in Monroe County and Albia, you know, back then uh, was pretty associated with drugs and running drugs through Albia. Um, I think that's who, you know, 90% of the drugs were coming into Albia from, I, you know, um, the, there's four brothers. Uh, one of them is in prison for murder. Uh, one of them is still alive. Of course, one's dead. Two of the brothers were there uh, the night with the card game and maybe one of them was in the card game. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's kind of how that's all come together, I guess, you know, without getting super okay. detailed and everything. <laughs> all right. But, I mean, so maybe you know, there's, it, maybe it, there's it, something not, there, but uh, these were not people who were mentioned back in 1984. You had, you and all of the work that you had done up until recently, you never heard any of their names mentioned. No, not, not originally. No, you know, uh, Okay. It's just all over the years a name coming up and and like I say you know to describe the 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 type of individuals I'm talking about like I say one of them is in prison for murder Richard Davis is in prison for murder his brother Gary Davis is who he murdered he oh one day decided over an argument I mean literally he was uh he was out at the local little cafe and got ready to leave at, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and a, and a waitress asked him, and I mean, this come out in, even, I think, in the trial, waitress asked him, said, uh, you know, what are you going to do today, uh, Richard? And he said, I'm going to go kill my brother. And he literally left there, drove across town, pulled in his brother's driveway. His brother come out, he got out of the car, shot him dead right in front of the house, and set the gun on front of the car and waited on the cop. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it's just... You know, we've all had problems, but come on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go kill your own brother. There's got to be something going on. You know? Okay. Let me ask you this and we'll get into maybe uh, I wanted to, of course, get your opinion as a law enforcement officer on, on some of these things, just from your point of view, but regarding those friends who seem, you know, maybe let's just say they don't seem to have acted and said things in a way that you think best friends would act, you know, and say. Let's just put it that right. way. Do any of them have access to a place where a person and a car 
could be disposed of and be hidden for 38 years? Um, yeah, I believe so. I mean, I, I mean, I think all of them do it. Well, two of them own property now where, yeah, they could probably uh, have, have gotten rid of a car. Um, but back in 1984, they would just been 21 year olds or something. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, no. I guess that, that's what I'm asking. But would they have had access anytime at the time in 1984? You know, to something happens and they then they figure out, well, we have to do something with Harry and his car. Would they have had access to any place like that? Not that I know of. You know, right offhand, the only one okay. maybe would have been Doug Maddie. You know, with his with his brother and 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 sister that, you know, out there where Harry stayed, they had a farm, uh, that type of thing. And, and there's been some question over that property over the years. So uh, that would be the only one I could think of, but no, I mean, I don't, you know, at that particular time, no, you know. Okay. I mean, Let me, uh, now let's move on to this. Being that you were a law enforcement officer for many years, looking back at Harry's disappearance and the initial investigation, what do you think are the mistakes uh that were made i know we're doing hindsight 2020 but you are a law enforcement officer and maybe you even filled out a few missing persons reports in your day <laughs> yeah so what do you you look at your brother's disappearance what were the mistakes that were made back in 1984 well i think the first mistake you know is just in general law enforcement uh philosophy is one is the first first thing that caused a lot of the problems you know 80 1984, you know, 2022, two different worlds, you know, as far as how law enforcement does things. I think the biggest downfall Harry had is he was 21 years old and law enforcement looked at it as he's a grown man. He can go do what he wants, you know? So I think that's the first biggest mistake they made is they never, ever assumed there could have been any foul play. You know, they assumed exactly, you know, they, I, I guess as a law enforcement officer, especially looking at a missing persons or anything like that, you know, I learned very quickly never to take what somebody tells me as the gospel truth right out the start. You know, I mean, you always got to kind of look at it with, okay, that's your story, but you know, I, I'm going to look at more than that. And I don't think they ever did that. You know, I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they talked to these guys three days after Harry come up missing roughly and never talked to him again for 10. No, well, law enforcement is still, as far as I know, never talked to anyone. Of them. Only the sheriff as a private investigator went back and talked to him, but nobody ever looked at it from a different perspective other than taking off or wrecking his car. And when they didn't, when they couldn't find that he wrecked his car somewhere, they never went any farther. You know, that's that's the biggest mistake they made is they didn't go back a week later or two weeks later and start questioning and canvassing things and doing the things. You know, even if you didn't know exactly where Harry was at, it's a town of 3000 people. It ain't hard to figure out on a Saturday night. Where's a 21 year old? You know, you didn't maybe have to start with the waterworks bar, but you could have started with all them bars that were in town and started checking with people. Hey, who saw Harry? Where'd you see him? Those type of things. Um, that was the, the the biggest mistake they made and probably the hardest hurdle to overcome now. Because like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you got the question of, 
well, why did they wait this long to say anything? You know, I don't know. I, you know, maybe they would have said something a week after or two weeks after had law enforcement put it out there that, Hey, we're looking at this more than just a guy that, that drove away. Yeah. You know, so right. I, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing there. The other thing is, is, you know, the heart, the other part that, you know, it, it's, it's still back to that same law enforcement is different than it is now. You know, everything nowadays is documented to a T. I mean, you know, I, I spent more hours typing on a computer than I did being a cop in my later years because right. everything right. has got to be just, you know, typed out, you know, now, I mean, they, they did, you know, I mean, even the, 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 I have the entire case file of Harry's, you know, that, that was from day one up until December 22nd of, uh, of last year when I, you know, um, and it's, it's absolute, it's a mess because there's no computer records. They don't, you know, stuff wasn't put in a computer. It's handwritten notes. It's, you know, stuff that you're looking at. I'm handing to my wife and what the heck does this say? You know, trying to decipher things out, doing those type of things. So, yeah, the listeners should know I've seen some of these notes, these handwritten notes, and they're hard to read. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I still, to this day, there's times when people will look at something and say, well, don't just say this. And I'm like, I got to go back and get them out and look and say, okay, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe that's what it says. You know? Um, I mean, it's just terrible. It's, it's, it's sad to think that, um, you know, that that's the way it was handled back then. And I think 90% of it starts with being 21, you know, being over the age of 18, you know, being an adult, they never took missing adults serious because they always thought, well, they can do what they want. They can, they can take off. And there was never, you know, in Harry's case, there was never anything to ever say there was any foul play. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you got three guys, a story and they somewhat sound the same, you know, that that's what they went on. That's, you know, I, I just, it's sad because I know nowadays, you know, I, I, when a last missing person report I took as an officer, you know, we had a rule down there. If, if a name is mentioned, or a place is mentioned, you better have it in your report that you went and physically talked to that person and got their story. And if they mention 10 other people, you better go talk to those other 10 people, you know, and you just keep going. And plus nowadays, of course, you know, cell phones, you know, are the greatest thing on the planet when it comes to that, because I can get on there and find your cell phone, track you by a tower. And okay, at least now I got a general area to start looking. Uh, you know, back then it was just, uh, you know, let's, let's, Start with the the route toward home, and 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 expand out from there. Right. How tough has this been for you and your family since 1984? <laughs> Terrible. You know, I mean, it, uh, my dad. You know, with with Harry being adopted, that was you know I you know I always like I said earlier I know we were raised as brothers and treated pretty much equal, but with my dad. You know, that was, Harry was, you know, he adopted him. He, you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't, you know, he, he, he chose to get this baby or kid that was born club footed and take care of him. Uh, so he was always treated a little bit different. You know, I mean, there were some things with my dad that I always noticed where he got, you know, a little bit better treatment on some things, but it was horrible. You know, I mean, it was uh, when you finally realized that, you know, in my mind, it, it took me a few years to say, okay, he's not missing. 
You know, he's not run away somewhere and changed his life or done any of that. Something happened to him. You know, I got to that conclusion fairly quickly. I don't think my dad ever did. You know, I mean, he literally, you know, uh, you know, me and my wife talk about it all the time. You couldn't mention his name that the two of them weren't in tears. You know, I mean, you couldn't really have good conversations because the emotions were so, you know, so high. And, you know, he, he, you know, I mean, he didn't want to, when my mom died, you know, my mom, grandma would have died of cancer, you know, he still lived out in Avery for a long time. You know, he ended up finally moving and, and, and remarrying, but for the longest time, he wouldn't even move, he wouldn't move away from home. And I'm like, dad, why, why don't you move 20 miles to a tumble where you spend 90% of your time? Well, I don't want to not be here if Harry comes home. He said, I, I'm scared if Harry comes home. And I'm not here, he'll leave again, you know? So, I mean, and then, you know, on top of that, the other thing was the fact of, you know, my dad was a, a you know, big time Marine, you know, he did, he was kind of one of the, uh, the, the oddballs because he was both in the Marines and the army. He was drafted in the army. I, I, and I don't know if I got him exactly correct, but he did, he was in the Korean war and world war two. So he had, was drafted into one, got out, and then he went in to the other one. So I think it was Army first and then Marine. So, But he was a big-time Marine. And, you know, and, of course, with Harry being a Marine Reserve, uh, one of the most heartbreaking things is when you're getting a notice from the Marine Corps and they're telling you that your son's, a, you know, AWOL to begin with, and then, right, then they're declaring right. him a deserter, you know, and, and it just and, – and you know that he didn't do this by his choice, you know, or at least that's what he believed. You know, and then to clear it all up, you know, I think it was 91 or 92, you know, to clear up his estate and, and get everything straight with the military and all that stuff. You know, my dad had to petition the courts to have him declared deceased, you know. Yeah. The toughest thing I ever saw a guy do was get that paperwork in the mail and have to take it, you know, into the courthouse to, to say that your son's dead, you know, when you don't even know what the truth is. What so, happened? You know, uh, that it was tough, you know. I mean, it, it's tough, and it's and it's still tough. It's, you know, it, it's tough when you um, don't have that closure. You know, I mean, I you know, I'm used. I mean, people in my life have died. My you know, my parents have died. Everything else, you know, I've had, you know, family members die. Yeah, it's rough, but you 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 know what happened. You know where they're at. You know the circumstance. You know, and to, and to be in a situation where you just don't know, you know, um, it, it's kind of hard to describe. You know, I mean, it. it you do you know, think? I, uh, of course, it's tough for all the all the family members who are guests. But do do you think it's especially difficult considering? Uh, I, I'm guessing not only you, but maybe other people in your family, maybe your parents, technically your grandparents. Yeah. Um, you know, suspect these, these friends, once again, I don't know what to think. It's up to the listeners to decide for themselves, but obviously there is a tone in this interview where you have a suspicion that these friends who you thought were good guys, they aren't telling you the total truth. Has that obviously made it even more difficult? Oh yes. I mean, that's, that's just, that's probably the more difficult thing to deal with, you know, is, I understand that, you know, in my opinion, something happened to Harry. You know, do I believe that one of those three guys hurt Harry? 
I don't, I mean, I guess deep down, I don't really think they did. You know, I don't know for sure, but I don't think they did. I just think maybe they saw something happen or were a part of something that just went totally wrong. Uh, and to not come forward and say anything, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I've, you know, heard through rumor mills, you know, like, oh, the one guy's, oh, I was out to, you know, chase him down or, you know, find um, him and beat him up or whatever when yeah, I first we're not back get it. Yeah, we're not getting, yeah, we don't want to get into that. It's just that, it, uh, you know, you'd think that, um, once again, I, I'm, we don't do theories on the program. I don't voice my theories publicly or anything like that. But obviously, I know that you have this belief. Obviously, other people would still obviously have this belief in your family as well. And, you know, and to think that, you know, something could have gone on there, they're withholding information, even if they're not responsible, they're withholding information all this time. It's tough. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what I think, you know, and that's all I ask is, you know, if, if somebody, you know, if it's those three or anybody else, you know, just step up and say, this is what I know, you know, I mean, that's, and that's what's probably the, the toughest thing of all has been the silence, you know, when it, when it's just, when you keep feel like you're beating your head against the wall and everybody's standing silent. Mark, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for Harry's disappearance? If so, tell the listeners and viewers about it right now. Right. I, uh, right, so far right now, I've got a, uh, a Facebook group that I've had up and going for quite some time. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> got me, I got so confused here. I'm not sure what the deal is, but it's, uh, Harry Milligan still missing, uh, you know, my brother's story. Uh, you can, you can, you, you know, you can look at, search it in, group, in the group under Harry Milligan. You'll find the group. Been going for quite a while. Uh, got a, you know, I, I got a reward fund trying to get information. We're up over uh, $15,000 now in private donations, and it's all strictly private donations from, uh, from people donating. Um, you know, we've, we've put up, we've used some of it to put up, you know, in, in the city of Albia, we've got, Let's see, five, six now, six, uh, four by eight, mini billboards, my wife calls them, um, that have Harry's poster and still missing that we put up. Just to, to keep reminding everybody, we do yard signs, I got bracelets, you know, T-shirts, all kinds of stuff that we do. Uh, and then I know right now we're working on starting a, uh, an actual web page, uh, which will be findingharrymilligan.com. Uh, that should be up and running here pretty quick. Um, so that, you know, there's more access to everything. Uh, so if, if great. you're interested, join the group. There's a lot of great people and a lot of good conversation that, you know, we try to keep the conversation going and, and keep people thinking, keep getting the story out and hoping it just, you know, resonates with somebody somewhere at some point to step up and say, oh, hey, I know this, you know, because I've tried to make it clear within the group and I'll do the same thing with the, with the, uh, with the uh, website, uh, you know, I truly am not looking to prosecute anybody for what happened to my brother. You know, it's 37 years later. I just want to find him, find his car and bring him home and put him to rest. And Mark, I hope you will keep me posted uh, as you uh, continue to work on this. Uh, I keep in contact with many of the guests who have been on the program. So I'm hoping that uh, you will, you know, keep me, um, once again, posted as the work you're doing. And if you make any, uh, of course, breakthroughs, and of course, if I hear anything, you know, that comes from this episode, of course, I will pass that information 
uh, along to you. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. I appreciate it very much. I, I you know, as soon as I know something, you'll know something, so we can get it out Great. to everybody. Great. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being on Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my March 21st, 2022 interview with Mark Milligan, brother of Harry Milligan. I thank him for joining me and all of you on this episode. In addition, I made a map analysis video for this episode. I show Harry's most likely route home and the surrounding area. Please find it on the YouTube channel. The tough part about any disappearance such as this one is that you never want to think the worst of people. For example, we never want to think parents killed their kids. But it happens. In fact, the stats say parents are usually the most likely suspects. Or we never want to think husbands killed their wives. But it happens. And once again, the stats say if wives die, the husbands usually did it. So with friends, we never want to think they did it, that they caused a disappearance or a murder. Yet the big difference between them and parents and husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends The big difference is that platonic friends are not statistically the best suspects. Yes, guy friends kill guy friends, women friends kill women friends, but that is much, much less common than the other categories just mentioned. Why is this? Because in those others, passion and deep-seated feelings are where those crimes get started. Whereas with our everyday friends, would we say we have deep feelings or deep passion for them to the point that they could hurt us in a way that we would want to kill them? Probably not. A girlfriend telling her boyfriend that there's someone else is a lot different than a guy telling his buds, hey, I'm going to hang out with some other people tonight. Meaning, suspecting Harry's friends is not statistically or logically the best choice, even if it should still certainly be an idea. What could change all of this, though? Alcohol. How many times did Mark bring it up during the interview? Many. To the point that he admitted Harry and his friends were most likely drinking and driving that night. Alcohol can change everything. That is something all of you will have to consider. This is not to discount all of the other possibilities. Mark caused his own disappearance and simply hasn't been found. An accident. Somebody else besides his friends caused Mark to go missing. These theories are viable as well. Certainly. But if that group of friends have kept something quiet this long, they must really be bosom buddies. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound 
and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.